your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 688 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And the Rangers, just a couple of minutes ago, concluding a 6-4 home victory against the Anaheim Ducks. I kind of, uh, going into this game in our most recent episode, framed this as the Rangers' first opportunity of the season to respond to a loss, and I think for the most part, they passed the test. Obviously, they won the game. It was not perfect. There were a couple things you could nitpick, and I think I'm actually going to start today's episode by doing that. Let's get the the couple of you know negative things and, and not so great things out of the way first, and then we'll move on to the fun stuff, because obviously, there was a lot of things that you can like about uh, this game here tonight, uh, namely the Rangers putting up six goals and just continuing to fire on all cylinders offensively. You know, it's a game that, before I get into all that, it kind of reminded me, it almost felt like the Rangers tonight were playing a version of themselves from like two or three years ago. When you look at this Ducks team, it's a team that's, you know, very young. They have some good, young, exciting players, a couple of veterans sprinkled in here and there, and they are starting to put the pieces together, but they are still in the middle of a rebuild as the Rangers were two and three years ago. And, you know, very similar to the Rangers from that time period, I thought the Ducks at times in this game just kind of shot themselves in the foot. The penalties that they didn't really need to take, as well as, you know, just uh, not always being sharp in general. You know, there were a couple of... uh, lapses in this game, namely the end of the second period, which we will get to for sure, uh, where the Ducks just weren't at their best. And that's kind of what happened to the Rangers a few years ago. There were games where, you know, it felt like they played hard. They were in it. They did their thing. They were competitive, but there would just be, you know, a bad penalty here, uh, a rough three or four or five minute stretch there. And the next thing you know, you're losing the game. Uh, And it was kind of similar to that. Uh, As for the Rangers, you know, it was kind of similar to the Minnesota game, which was the second game of the season. Rangers won that game 7-3, to but similar to that game and this game is just the fact that the Rangers at times didn't really, you know, step on the throat of the opposition. They kind of let them hang around a little bit, and on one hand, you have to credit both the Wild and the Ducks for fighting back, but there were just too many times uh, in both of those games where it felt like the Rangers were so close to that knockout punch, so close to just going on to cruise to a win, and, you know, they would just continually let them back into the game. In this game here tonight, uh, the Rangers... You know, they're they're up to nothing. They're absolutely cruising. They're skating their tails off in the first period. It looks like it's going to be a laugher, and the Rangers are just going to run away with it. And it's going to be one of those games where you don't really worry about anything. Next thing you know, you know, Frank Vetrano scored because, of course, he did. Why wouldn't he? You know, between him and Strom, at least one of them was going to score in this game. But he scores, and then uh, literally like a tenth of a second into the next shift, Heedle takes a penalty, and uh, the Ducks go back on the power play. They don't score there, but eventually uh, Zegras scores, ties the game at two, and you're thinking, like, how did this even happen? Like, how did we get here where we're tied? Now, the good news, of course, is the Rangers uh, ripped off three consecutive goals after that in the second period, and like I said, we're going to break down that big second period for the Rangers. Just wanted to get the uh, the not-so-great stuff out of the way here really quickly first. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, Igor Shesterkin, I didn't really think that it was his best game. Uh, you know, he only ends up stopping 18 of 22 shots, and 
you know, kind of the joke to make there as well. You know, he wasn't under fire as much as he usually is, so he wasn't ready for it. But uh, Igor wasn't at his best, but it's fine. It's no cause for concern. He's not a machine. You forget that sometimes. But the way I see it, I mean, over these past few years here, Igor Shesterkin has stolen enough games for the Rangers. He's picked them up enough times that I think it's really nice to see uh, his teammates do the same for him. And yeah, he didn't have his A game, but he gets a 6-4 to win and... You know, obviously there's better days ahead for Igor Shosturkin. But, you know, another prevailing thought from this game for me is that you look at the schedule and you see, okay, Rangers, who, who do we got next? Because, you know, they lose that game to the Jets. Okay, who's up next? Oh, home against the Ducks. Okay, yeah, that should be a win. And it's no disrespect to the Ducks, but where both these teams are right now, you know, the Rangers, again, coming off of an excellent season last year where they exceeded all expectations. You expect them to be a great team again this season. And you're going up against a team that's still putting the pieces together, still rebuilding. You've got home ice advantage, and you've got a fresh Igor Sesterkin in net, and you've got this Ranger offense that's firing on all cylinders. It's like, yeah, that should be a win. It's hard to envision the Rangers losing this game. And uh, that's such a nice feeling to have. It's such a far cry from where we were as recently as just two years ago and certainly three years ago, where the Rangers go into these games and you just kind of hope that they win. You know, maybe if the puck bounces our way a couple times, we can uh, upset whatever team we might be playing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy how, you know, the mindset uh, for myself, as well as I'm sure for a lot of you, has changed. Where you look at this matchup, and the Rangers are going to win this game. I mean, there's no guarantees. And look, the Rangers play 82 games this season. It's not like they're going to go through all 82 of them without having, you know, a single upset loss in there somewhere. But again, you look at the matchup here, and you just figure... The Rangers are going to win this game, and that's a great feeling to have. And uh, once again, a very far cry from where we were just two years ago. Uh, in just a second, I'm going to talk about this New York Ranger power play, which has just been insane to start the season. It's really crazy. I mean, talk about, you know, we talk about how the team in general from two years ago is so much better than it, you know, it's so much better now than it was then. Uh, the power play is one of the chief aspects of that entire, you know, concept. Uh, where this power play was as recently as two years ago, to where they are now. Uh, we're going to get to that and break down uh, the Rangers' big night in the power play. They went three for four on their opportunities. We'll do that in just a second. But first, I just got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried the new Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate? That's right. Built has done it again. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and, or excuse me, LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. All right, and uh, we just want to go ahead and thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And as I just mentioned, we're going to go ahead now and uh, just talk about this Ranger power play. And it's I swear I'm not making this up. I wasn't able to live tweet the game tonight, but I was taking my notes and 
I'm looking at the the Ranger first power play, and this is before they even scored, but I was just thinking to myself, like, man, this power play has been so good, so lethal, so dangerous. Even when they don't score, they're a constant threat to score, and I just had a feeling it was going to be a big night for the man advantage, and indeed it was, once again, going three for four, and I wrote into my notes that, okay, we are going to talk about the power play tonight because they've just been absolutely sensational to start the season, and... You know, I, I say three for four on the power play, and technically, yes, that is what they were. Even the one on which they did not score, the second power play unit stayed out there. It was the kid line, plus, uh, let's say, I, Truba was out there, and I'm pretty sure Zach Jones was the fifth guy. But they stayed out there, and they scored, you know, not too long after the power play concluded. But, you know, it's crazy because we've gone from, you know, I swear, like 30 years of power plays that are average to below average in the league to, in the last two years, believing that this team is going to score every single time it has the man advantage. It's been quite the turnaround. And, I mean, honestly, there have been times in the past, guys, where, you know, even during the Elaine Vigneault era of the Rangers, you know, obviously they had some good teams. They were competitive. Uh, they made it to the Eastern Conference Final or deeper three times in four years. So that was awesome. The power play was never really a strength. And there were times, you know, the Rangers would be in one of these, you know, dogfight, six or seven game playoff series and a penalty would be called against the opposition. And I'd be thinking to myself, like, man, can we just decline this? Because 5v5, you know, the Rangers would be playing very well in one of these playoff games. And then they get the uh, the power play opportunity, and they just can't do anything. And so all that momentum just kind of vanishes. And the power play would almost do more to hurt the Rangers than help them. Uh, yeah, that's not the case anymore. The power play is absolutely fantastic. And... You know, I figure, you know, they scored three times on the, on the man advantage. We might as well just go ahead here and talk about all of them, and I'll just kind of add my thoughts along the way here. Um, but they score in the first period to take a game-long lead, make it one to nothing, first goal of the game. Uh, you've got uh, Mika stick-handling, and he dishes in deep to Trocek, and uh, Trocek is able to tip it in, and the Rangers go up one to nothing. Uh, you had Panarin, who gained the line on this play, uh, he was along the boards, pass it to Mika in the left circle. Mika, once again, with the stick handling, dishes to Trocek, and Trocek tips it in. And, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that Mika was going to look for his BFF, Chris Kreider, on this play. Uh, Kreider was in deep there, too. But instead, he passes it uh, beyond Kreider, gets it to Vincent Trocek, and Trocek with another goal, uh, his second in the past three games, I want to say. I don't know without checking that, but uh, Trocek off to a nice start with the uh, New York Rangers, and... Man, there's so much to like about this power play. I mean, the puck movement is just incredible. Uh, the puck recovery has been incredible. You know, anytime that the Rangers lose control of the puck on the power play, there's been so many times already this year, and we're only four games into the season, but it looks like, you know, the opposition, the penalty killers, they're going to get to the puck first, and they're going to be able to basically just throw it down the ice and, you know, go off for a change or, or whatever they want to do. But instead, the Rangers find a way to recover the puck. You know, they win a 50-50 puck. They dig it out of the corner, and then they get it back to, you know, Adam Fox at the point, and now you're set up again. You're set up for another opportunity. And there's so much deception on the Ranger power play. There's so many times where, you know, even watching this, it looks like they're going to pass a certain way, and then they pass back the other way. And by then, the penalty killers have already committed the other way, and you've got an open shot. Or, you know, there's times where, you know, it looks like, um, you know, maybe somebody's going to shoot, and instead they pass. There's so much deception, and there's so much movement. All five guys are constantly moving all over the ice. A lot of quick passing. Uh, they can score on a one-timer. We saw that in this game. They can score on a tipping goal. We saw that in this game. And, I mean, everybody out there is a threat. It's the same four guys as last year, plus now Vincent Trocek in Ryan Strom's old spot. And I am not exaggerating. I tweeted this out, you know, a couple games ago. I really do believe 
when it's all said and done this year, and there's no guarantees, and there are 31 other teams in this league, the Rangers could end up with the absolute best power play uh, in this league. They are just tremendous. And I wanted to go ahead, like I said, and just go ahead and take you guys through the uh, the other power play goals that were scored here. And you had, uh, so, so I want to talk about how this one was set up. You had Panarin on a breakaway. He was once again stopped. That's becoming uh, kind of the Achilles heel for our Timmy Panarin. Just not being able to finish those power play opportunities. Uh, but there was a left pad save. Panarin got like three chances after this. The offensive zone possession continued. Uh, Lafreniere had a good chance. Jacob Truba had a booming shot from the blue line as well. It all leads to the Ducks having to take a penalty. And so the Rangers get on the power play. You've got an excellent keep-in by Adam Fox. That's another thing where the Rangers are really good on the power play, especially Adam Fox. There's times where it looks like the puck is going to get cleared down the ice, and Fox will block it. He'll reach up and glove it, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, But he did a great job, you know, keeping this puck alive here. He gets a pass over to Artemi Panarin. Uh, Panarin is in low, uh, looking for a deflection to Kreider. There's a great chance there. You know, Kreider had a goal and opportunity. Uh, Fox, Fox, excuse me, pass from the corner to Kreider not too long after this. Another great chance for Chris Kreider. Um, and then the Rangers finally break through here. It took a minute and 40 seconds. The top power play unit was out there for all of that. But the Rangers finally make it two to nothing. You've got Mika passing over to Artemi Panarin. Uh, Panarin stick handles a couple of times. Dishes to Trocek, who's along the goal line, and Trocek across the crease to Mika. Mika rips it top shelf, and it's two to nothing Rangers. And uh, Trocek, like I said, fitting like a glove, playing uh, the bumper roll on this power play here. And, uh, you know, obviously a nice start for him. Uh, he gets a pass from Mika and scores on the first power play. Then he returns a favor and sets up Mika on the second power play. And uh, two to nothing at that point. And then uh, the third power play goal, you had Fox from the center of the ice. Uh, passing to his right to Panarin. Panarin on this play really sold that he was going to go toward the net and shoot it. And, you know, again, this is where Panarin is just so valuable and so dangerous. You saw all four penalty killers, you know, they they all kind of moved toward Panarin. And everybody left Mika's advantage all by himself. And believe me, when the Rangers are on the power play, you do not want to let Mika Zibanejad by himself. Mika Zibanejad re- receives a pass from Artemi Panarin right after that. Uh, Panarin dishing across the ice back to Mika. Mika winds back and cranks a one-timer. He's going to hit that almost every single time. And that was in the third period and uh, made the score 6-3 to three in favor of the Rangers. So uh, the Rangers just firing on all cylinders uh, throughout this game offensively. The power play was absolutely humming. And uh, just great to see uh, something that was such a strength for the Rangers last season continue to be such a strength for the Rangers this season as well. So I want to go ahead and uh, talk about uh, a ridiculous second period for the New York Rangers. Uh, you know, they gave up the lead and you know, they were up 2-0. Uh, the Ducks came back and tied it 2-2, two two, but the Rangers were on top 5-2 to two by the time that the second period ran out. And we're going to break down everything that happened there in just a second. Okay, so this second period, uh, as I mentioned, the Ducks tied the game at 2-2, two to two, rallied a little bit, but the Rangers end up uh, scoring three unanswered goals to close out the second period. All this happened in the last 10 or 11 minutes of the second period, and I actually want to correct myself on something I said earlier. Uh, after the first goal, I mentioned that the Rangers had a game-long lead. Obviously, that was not the case, but after this goal was scored, they were on top for good. You get a little bit of a dirty goal for Capo Caco, which is really nice to see. Uh, he crashed the net. And uh, Mika Zibanejad threw it at the net from, you know, along the boards, kind of a tough angle there. But 
Uh, I like the fact that the Rangers are, are shooting first. They were talking about that on the broadcast. Uh, a little bit more of a shoot-first mentality this season. Still a lot of great passing as well, but there were just times in previous seasons, you guys know the drill, the Rangers a lot of times uh, won too many passes and just being selfless to a fault. But in this case, you've got Mika Zibanejad, uh, you know, throwing it at the net, and Capo Caco eventually credited with the goal. He deflected the shot into the twine and made it 3-2 to two Rangers. A lot of uh, conjecture about whose goal this was going to be. Originally, they thought that, you know, it deflected off of uh, the goalie and then off of Caco's skate and into the net and that it would be his goal. Then they thought that, uh, you know, it, it was stopped by the goalie and then went off the skate of the uh, Anaheim defenseman and then went into the net. And then finally, uh, somebody you know got a replay where you could see that Kako deflected the shot by Mika Zibanejad. So uh, Kako doing his best Chris Kreider impersonation there, crashing the net, setting up shop, and uh, deflecting the puck into the net. And what a start to the season for Kako Kako, uh, really benefiting from playing with uh, Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, playing with a ton of confidence. You can just see it in his body language. Even when the play is not happening, it's you know between plays, between uh, the whistles, and um, you know you can just see it in his face. You can see it in his body language. Uh, a very confident player, somebody that's learning how to use his size and strength to his advantage. We saw flashes of that this past season. Uh, the goal, or the moment rather, that really comes to mind is the goal that was overturned in Game One against the Penguins, where he drove to the net and you know he's on his stomach and he's, he's passing to Philip Heal and. Uh, setting him up for what should have been the game-winning goal uh, in that game. But not to go on too much of a tangent, but Capo Caco just really figuring out who he is as, as an NHL player. And I was really happy that he got this goal here. Great deflection, puts it in. And then, uh, you know, I talked not too long ago about the uh, the power play for the New York Rangers. And I mentioned that they went three for four. There was one where they did not score, but they scored almost immediately after that. So a lot happened on this play. Uh, you've got Sammy Blay, who I thought had a really nice debut. Uh, I'm hoping to have some time to talk about him here today, but if we don't, we'll save that for the next episode because uh, Blay deserves uh, a couple of minutes here uh, after his performance. I thought for somebody that hadn't played hockey in or a regular season hockey in nearly a calendar year, he did a heck of a job here. So we're going to give him his due uh, eventually. But uh, he drew a hooking penalty. He basically uh, received a pass from VZ from behind the net, and that was actually set up by Philip Heedle. It on the forecheck, hits his guy, knocks him off the puck. Uh, Jimmy VZ then gets the loose puck, passes in front to Blay. Blay tried to score, got hooked down, so the Rangers are back on the power play as a result of this, but I mean, just scoring opportunities left and right. I mean, you know, Panarin to Fox to Mika. Mika blasted a one-timer. Uh, it was stopped by Gibson, but Gibson was like doubled over because he took it right in the breadbasket. Mika's advantage had slap shot there. And, uh, you know, just just chances left and right. They don't end up scoring on this one. Uh, with 32 seconds left, the Rangers' second power play unit got an opportunity, and they did not score. The power play ended. But not too long after this, you've got a pass in deep to Heedle. Heedle's along the goal line. Uh, Heedle originally was the one that carried the puck over the blue line, and it went to Truba. Truba then, or no, it went to Kako, and then Kako... Got some help from Truba. Truba passed in deep to Philip Heedle. Heedle then passes kind of diagonally across the crease to Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere tips it into the net. And uh, just like that, the Rangers up 4-2, get a little bit of breathing room. So that was awesome to see. So even on the power play where the Rangers do not score, the power play unit remained on the ice, and they scored not too long after that. Uh, and then late in the second period, just 34 seconds left to play. And Panarin, with just an absolute missile up the center of the ice, just winds back and blasts it and uh, gives the Rangers a 5-2 to lead and even more breathing room heading into the third period. Uh, basically, what happened on this play, you know, the Ducks are down by two goals, probably trying to force something. They tried a long pass. It's broken up on a nice play by Ryan Lindgren. Uh, Lindgren to Fox. 
Fox leads Panarin with a nice pass into the attacking zone, and uh, Panarin took care of the rest, just uh, winding back and absolutely tattooing it. And speaking of Artemi Panarin, we need to continue to uh, heap praise onto the bread man here because he is just off to a phenomenal start to the season. He's got two goals and eight assists in just four games. Now, I'm no math expert, but that's two and a half points per game, an unsustainable rate to be sure, but he leads the NHL in points, and I realize, you know, we're at the point in the season where, you know, a lot of teams have played a different amount of games from other teams and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but nevertheless, still very impressive to be leading the NHL in points, but beyond the stats and beyond the numbers and beyond the uh, eight assists that he has and the two goals, uh, Panarin just looks like an, a constant threat every time he's on the ice. He looks like the bread man of old. He struggled in the playoffs a little bit last season. I hope that this is the version of Artemi Panarin that we get in the postseason this year. I think we very easily could. And it's funny, I, I touched on this briefly in a recent episode. You know, Artemi Panarin, you don't think of him as like a warrior along the boards and, you know, sticking his nose in there and winning board battles, but he has his own very unique way of winning board battles. His ability to just stop on a dime and go back and change directions, he can shake guys off of him that way. And yeah, he's not engaged in like a physical board battle, but he's still winning board battles because his ability to, you know, just hit the brakes and turn on a dime, it basically allows him to win board battles because the guy trying to defend him can't even lay a finger on him. I can't tell you how many times, we're only four games into the season, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen Panarin just kind of, again, just just stop and head back in the other direction, and the defender is basically just left left flailing. You know, they, they can't keep up with him. They can't handle the moves. And Panarin, a lot of times when he's doing this, you know, somebody will come open for the Rangers, you know, somewhere across the ice, and he'll find them with a great pass. So uh, his ability to do that uh, has really keyed a lot of his success this season, and hey, it's Artemi Panarin, so he's going to make things happen uh, regardless. But yeah, I mean, what else can you say? He's just been phenomenal. And something else that really stands out about Panarin, I do think that his line, and he's mostly played with Trocek and Lafreniere to start the year, I think that's been the Rangers' best line. And I don't say that lightly, because I know that Kako and Mika and Kreider, they're firing on all cylinders. I thought the third line had a really nice night tonight. You know, obviously they didn't put up as many points, but I thought Hedl, uh, Blay, and VZ. Uh, really kind of clicked together in this game and looked pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, up and down the lineup, just contributions all the way around. But I do think that Panarin line uh, has been the best for the Rangers thus far. And, you know, Vincent Trocek joining a team that went to the Eastern Conference Final, no better way to make, make somebody feel comfortable than by setting him up for a bunch of goals and, you know, being in lockstep with him like I think Artemi Panarin has been so far uh, this season. Uh, something else that I want to talk about here, we got to give uh, some love to Ryan Strom and Frank Vitrano. They both make their uh, returns to Madison Square Garden after signing with the Ducks as free agents this offseason. Uh, Ryan Strom got a nice tribute video. Apparently, uh, they didn't show this on the broadcast. Uh, Vitrano just got like a still image and a thank you, Frank Vitrano kind of a thing. So he doesn't get the elaborate treatment, but he was only here for half a season. So you can understand. It was nice that they did that either way. Um, but yeah, Strom got the, the full highlight video some of his uh, better goals as a New York Ranger. Very, very nice to see. Uh, Strom also got a really nice hand for the Madison Square Garden crowd. Uh, his former teammates were tapping their sticks. And, you know, all the best to those guys. I, I honestly, like, if I was going to pick, like, a Western Conference team to kind of pull for this season, I could root for the Ducks. You know, they've got two former Rangers, three if you count Kevin Shattenkirk. They've got some young, exciting players, so, you know, why not? And, uh, you know, Strom and Vitrano, something else that I thought was very interesting in this game, both of them wearing the A's, you know, for alternate captains, and both of them starting this game. My understanding is that uh, they were playing on different lines to start the season, but they were both on the second line together in this one. And, uh, man, I was just waiting for big nights for both of them. 
we mostly dodged it. You know, Vitrano had the one power play goal, but for the most part, uh, they were mostly held in check. So, and, uh, you know, Vitrano, one other thing that I got to mention here, and I touched on this a little bit earlier in today's episode, but going into this season, I figured that they might miss his shoot first mentality, and they still very well might. But like I said, I think as a team, the Rangers are getting more of that shoot first mentality. We saw that uh, in this game tonight, and we've seen it thus far this season. And it's translating to a bunch of goals for the New York Rangers, which is really nice to see as well. And uh, I do want to uh, spend a little bit of time here talking about Sammy Blay and his return to the lineup. I was hoping we would have time for this, and indeed we do. Uh, he stood out uh, a little bit more to me in the first half of the game than the second half of the game. But overall, I thought this was a very positive first game back for Sammy Blay. He, like I said, has not played in a hockey game in a calendar year, you know, not counting the preseason this year, of course. So it's nice to see him get back in there. His first shift, he had some really strong work along the boards. Uh, later in the same shift, he uh, was in on the forecheck, absolutely drilled his guy, a uh, big hit into the boards there. Uh, both of them, I believe, fell to the ice on the play. But Sammy the Bull is back in full force uh, not too long after this. I believe the same shift, he ripped a really hard shot. It sounded like it might have caught a piece of the post. Uh, the announcers did not mention that, but I thought it might have, you know, drew some iron. I, I thought I heard the post. Um, he also found his own rebound on this play. Couldn't quite stuff it in. But man, Sammy Blay out there with a vengeance, looking like somebody who wants to make an impact uh, in his first game back and, uh, you know, remain in the lineup, possibly remain in a top nine role. Uh, we shall see there. He also took a hit, and I held my breath on this because uh, Blay took a hit and kind of hobbled his way back to the bench. But I don't think he even missed a shift, so there was nothing to worry about there. Uh, fortunately for the Rangers and for Sammy Blay himself. Uh, there was also a play, you know, er, uh, a little bit later in this game where he was behind the net, carried the puck in front, just kind of turned, ripped it. Uh, Gibson made the save. But uh, Sammy Blay, you know, really asserting himself here. And then, of course, there was the play that I already talked about where uh, Sammy Blay drew a penalty. So overall, I think you got to like this return to the lineup for Sammy Blay. Uh, I do want to uh, look at his numbers real quick here and share them with you guys. Let's see. Blay. Uh, 13 minutes and 34 seconds of ice time. He ended up with three shots on goal and three hits and was an even plus minus. So uh, nothing jumping off the page as far as the stats are concerned. But uh, again, you know, for somebody playing in his first game in nearly a year, I think you got to feel pretty good about what you got from Sammy Blay. Something else I want to talk about here was Zach Jones. He was back in the lineup. And, um, you know, he's kind of entrenched in that battle for the sixth defenseman spot with Libor Hayek. I was fine with Libor Hayek getting a game in the Rangers' last game, but I do want them to roll with Zach Jones going forward. But I do have to say, there were a couple of plays in this game, uh, a couple of hiccups for Zach Jones. There were only really two, but I, I do feel like I should point them out here as we continue to uh, you know monitor this uh, battle for playing time that may or may not be happening for Zach Jones and Libor Hayek. I'm not sure if Gallant sees this as being a fluid situation or if Zach Jones is his guy going forward. Uh, but there was an icing that Zach Jones took in the first period, which was just completely unnecessary. Uh, he had the puck behind the Ranger net, and it was a situation where the Ducks weren't really pressuring him. Uh, you know, you see that every so often where, you know, a defenseman has the puck behind the net and they're, you know, either waiting for their guys to go off on a line change or they're waiting for something to develop or whatever it might be. Um, but in this case, Jones, you know, he's got the puck, he moves to his left, and he tries to throw it around the boards, and it just goes all the way down the ice for an icing. Not the end of the world, but also not an ideal play there by Zach Jones. And the other play that kind of stood out to me is, and again, it didn't lead to anything for the Ducks, but, you know, Jones is carrying the puck out of his own zone. Fairly easy pass to his right, a fairly short pass to his right to Braden Schneider, and he just missed him, and the Ducks took control of the puck. 
And again, nothing that I just mentioned is the end of the world, but those two plays did stand out to me watching this game. I do think there are better days ahead for Zach Jones. It's one of those things where, I mean, he is still very young. He is still very inexperienced in the NHL. There's going to be some growing pains from time to time. But as I've mentioned in the past, I think Zach Jones and Braden Schneider, if given the opportunity, which you have to think they will be given the opportunity, both those guys will be far better players at the end of the season and going into the playoffs than they are right now. And Braden Schneider is already a very good defenseman in this league. And as I've mentioned in the past, I do believe he would certainly be a top four defenseman on certain teams uh, around the NHL. With the Rangers, he's not. That's just a nice luxury to have because the Ranger top four is absolutely stellar. And uh, Braden Schneider coming into his own wall, holding down the four on the third pairing there. But yeah, I mean, I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. Not a perfect win for the Rangers, but I think there was more to like than dislike. And I mean, hey, the Rangers are 3-1 and to start the season. And in our last episode, I mentioned how I think the Rangers have played, out of the nine periods that they had played at that point, I think that they had played well, or at least acceptable, in eight of the nine. Their, their level of play in the eight of the nine periods was anywhere from solid to absolutely excellent. I think after this game, it's now 11 out of 12. You know, it was not perfect again, but for the most part, I thought the Rangers looked really good in this game here tonight. You got to love the fact that the offense is firing on all cylinders. I mean, the Rangers couldn't score any goals at the start of last season. Igor Shesterkin was bailing them out every single night. So I think, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, nits to pick here, but for the most part, a really strong outing for the New York Rangers. And uh, I think there's a lot more positives four games into the season than there are negatives. So, like I said, I figure we could pretty much call it there. Uh, once again, thank you guys as always for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Steel Rodine and Flip Livingston bring you the fantasy edge and keep you ahead of the competition with daily updates of news, analysis, and advice Monday through Friday, available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts.